Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word, .wordpress.com. Well, here we are back wow. in the land of intellectualism that is Al <laughs> <laughs> Pellets. And in this bubble of intellectualism, we are going to tackle another conversation today. Critical conversation. It is a critical conversation. Thank you, Kate. Um, so here with Al Pellets, our job is to take information and research and some of these some of the great work people are doing and get it into classrooms and start some good conversations with this podcast around career pathways. I have heard about career pathways in a million different contexts and every state seems to be a bit different and the National Council for Ag Education says there are these clear-cut pathways for everyone in our program. But let's wrestle with that today. And so as we start, what in the heck does career ready even mean? And is it even possible to be a career pathway completer? Um, is this the essence of our program? Are we training kids for college or are we training kids to be a certified turf grass manager? Good thing we have Brian Myers and Kate Shoulders to tell us the answer. I think fundamentally, I mean, there's a lot of things in that statement you just talked about. Um, and a lot of it goes back to, we'll say, politics because there's, you know, these different legislation that's come down to, to kind of check off boxes. We talk about are you college and career ready? That's really, really cool. What does, that, what does that mean to do that? But specifically about career pathways, is this a real thing? And is this something we need to be training our students to, to do? Does it actually lead to this, this career-ready kind of thing that we're talking about? And then we go, at least in a lot of states, it's been operationalized to say, yes, a student is a pathway completer. But when you go back and you look at that particular pathway, there's really not a whole lot of real substance in there because they've watered it down or they've mixed it up so much just so that a teacher can actually make it work to check this box in order to get this this money from it. And that's really the key, right? It ends up getting like kind of tail wagging the dog, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're no longer completers for, to be career ready, we're completers for money. Mm -hmm. And that ends up being the motivator as opposed to, and I'll, I'll admit when I was teaching high school, you know, I wanted my students to be, um, ready to enter whatever they wanted to. So oftentimes that was college um, or they would go to like an uh, apprenticeship or something like that. Um, but when we focused on uh, what they wanted to do had very little to do with what pathways they were in. They were in as many pathways as possible so that they could become completers so that I could get the money. Right. So the pathways themselves had very little to do with what my students, with the idea of, of preparing someone to be career ready. Mm-hmm. When you go back, you know, we did an experiment basically here in Florida where it's probably been six, eight years ago now. We were telling 
eighth graders, you had to pick a career pathway when you were in eighth grade that was your major, and you majored in that all the way through high school, and that had to be the whole focus of your high school, you know, your whole high school career. That whole plan lasted two years because after the first year, everybody picked as an eighth grader. They got to be a ninth grader. They found everything else and they wanted to change. And by the time they became a 10th grader, they all changed again. And they figured out this thing was a complete disaster. So they dropped in. Well, I can't imagine choosing. I mean, I couldn't choose until my junior year of college. I can't imagine choosing mm-hmm. as an eighth grader. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. I think about my high school experience. I was raised on a ranch and farm. I was it would, no question I would be in ag education. I was in FFA. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah, it was my favorite part of school. Never once did I think about the career. Never once did I think that I am in that class to prepare myself for careers. Because everything I thought about was, actually in high school, I had considered, I had decided, I'm going to be a doctor. And I was preparing to go to Austin College in Sherman, Texas. It's the best pre-med school in the country. That's where I'm going. And I never had that moment of, oh, crap. I've decided to be a doctor, but I'm in a career preparation program for ag. I never had that same, like, oh, no, I need to change my major like I did in college (laughs) multiple times. Yeah. And so it's interesting, like, I never even connected that career pathway as a student. Well, and you see students doing that. I ask them as they come in, we talk about program completers, and I ask them, were you a program completer, and what were you program completers? And, and at least half have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, so the teachers didn't set up, you're preparing for this career, therefore you are going to be better prepared for that career if you complete this pathway. Right? Again, the teachers aren't helping the students make that connection. So, And I think that's the whole point, right? If the student can't make that connection and say, I'm taking these classes because they're going to prepare me for here, then is it really a career pathway? Right. Well, I think we have to really stop and think, like, what is the purpose of the career pathways? And how, how, and how can they help us as educators and how can they help the students? And if we want to say that agriculture is made up of these different pathways, and I, I won't be able to quote them all with animal systems, plant systems, agribusiness systems, that sort of thing that we have in the AFR, AFR standards, I think it's good to use those pathways. So we talk about developing our curriculum to make sure that we are looking at the scope. I, I have a problem defining those individual things as the career pathway. So you have to pick a career in animal systems, plant systems only, because there's so much interaction between all those different systems that really isn't the pathway agriculture. And isn't that what we'll be preparing folks to do to understand what agriculture is all about? Yeah. But but shouldn't they be specialized? I mean, shouldn't, I can't know everything about everything in ag, right? Right. So how does, how do you, how does that work? And that's one of the challenges too we have, you know, with, with the system now, because, you know, agriculture education is part of career and technical education. And we are, we're, we're very similar to our brothers and sisters in, in the other CTE areas, but we're also very, very different. And, you know, we're not walking out with like an HVAC certification or we're not walking out with a masonry certification, something very, very specific to do that because we have, we have, we're not quite that narrowly defined with a skill set like those mm-hmm. folks are. And that's one of the challenges I know in our state, Florida, we're, we're facing now, we had to develop industry certifications for, for those different things. How do you become certified? You know, we have certified nursing assistants and HVAC and automotive folks. What do you do to get certified in agriculture? Well, we've come up with this really broad certification 
Yeah. The question we're asking now is, what is that? If you're certified, if you're a certified ag technician, what the heck does that mean? Right. And do the, I mean, you'd have to have industry buy-in, right? Do, do yeah. industries but even that's, care? That's the problem I'm having right now with the pathways. <clears throat> you know, right now, if I'm wanting to career to, to to prepare for a career and get certified, like I see that there are a lot of people in ag education programs that are growing, building interest, learning about agriculture. And they are coming to an exposure. I feel like the purpose of high school ag for a lot of students is exposure and interest development. Yeah. And then that's moving them into college where they ultimately are getting the degree that will ultimately allow them to work in agriculture. Sure. After but, changing majors like two or three right, times. Right. But one of my worries is, are we missing the boat? Because I look at some of these other places, like, are there not technical skills in the ag and natural resources that we are neglecting because we're so excited about the state speech contest and state officer elections. And so I wonder if we went and asked large, you know, I even think here in Oklahoma, wind energy, a natural resource, like, could it be that our high school students were being prepared to certify for jobs? Is the real problem that we've lost sight of why we exist? We exist to prepare people for jobs in ag. And I worry about that sometimes because we've gotten so far from ag, I think, from as we talked about in our other critical conversation, that perhaps we've lost that identity. And what, you know, I know a lot of students that are here collecting loans and collecting debt. And learning about breeds. And learning about <laughs> breeds of cattle um, that are irrelevant in the industry most of the times. Um, and then they finish and they don't even end up with a degree um, that, ends to, that ends with a great job. I had right. students that finished a technical degree at Meridian Technology here in town that made more money than I did coming out with a college degree. So are we missing the boat? Well, I think it's, I think it's too, we have to really think about what our, our charge in agricultural education is. We've got, we've got a little bit of schizophrenia here. When we look at this, because we got the career pathways models where we want to be very, very specific, where we, we should be training people to be, all you take are turf grass technician kind of courses or, um, or, or wind technology or certified vet assistant or those sort of things. At the same time, we go back to understand agriculture, the NRC report, and it's, it had, several years ago, 1988, it talks about we need to be educating people about agriculture and in agriculture. So that's getting people the technical skills and the content knowledge they have, but also the ag literacy component. And so if we're trying to do both of those things, how do we get really, really narrow focus? Because mm-hmm. then there's going to be an opportunity cost. That means w- right. with a lot of our schools, you can't offer the breadth of agriculture in your courses. You're going to have to, all you're going to, all you're going to do at this particular high school is turf grass mm-hmm. or all you're going to do is vet assisting well and let's th- let's not even take it to let's say that you could offer a variety of options within a high school right it goes back to the whole like dewey snedden mm-hmm. argument if you can if you if someone decides as a freshman right i'm going to be really prepared to work in wind technology and then like i meet someone and end up having to move somewhere where there is no wind technology i am now certified for nothing and I'm, I'm unemployed and unskilled, mm-hmm. right? So if instead you can use, I mean, so does career pathways actually hinder our ability to teach people to, to learn and to adapt and to problem solve and to think critically so that they can enter kind of like what you said, ag, right? right? Can they enter well, anything in ag as opposed to saying, yeah. I can only work in this specific area because mm-hmm. I only learned those skills. Well, that's the Prosser and Sneddon debate. Yeah. And I think what's happened is Prosser and Sneddon said, 
um, get people in a place, teach them a skill, the specific skill that the industrial revolution needs right yeah. now. In in school factories, in right? School in school factories, In right. labs that, yeah. Re- and Dewey's represent. like, no, no, no. Like, that's okay. Train them in that skill, but also develop the whole person. And I feel like Prosser and Snedden won that initial debate, right. but I feel sure. like we've come back to this Dewinian approach where now we're saying, no, let's. Let, it's all about growing the kid. Don't worry about the right. pathway. And, you know, I think to myself, like, what is industry screaming about? Are they screaming, like, get your crap together, Ag Ed. I don't have a uh, tissue culture technician. Right. I don't hear that. I don't hear a Prosser and Snedden cry for help. Right. What I hear is a Dewinian, hey, guys, schools, colleges, develop well-rounded, holistic people that can think critically and understand how science relates to ag and can be trained. Well, the technology is changing so quickly that if you had someone that was trained to do tissue culture, you know, be a tissue culture technician today, 15 years from now, they're not going to be able to do it. And and if everyone's trained that way, they're not going to have the people that are the ones that change the technology. Those are the problem solvers. Well, and sometimes I wonder if we don't create a problem because I have had situations where someone has said, like, for, for example, a local florist. Hey, I hired one of your kids that is floriculture com- program completer and they couldn't even tape a dang rose. And well, then you get to the bottom of it and you took intro to hort and you took you took intro to ag and you took one course and yeah. that all ends up being this program completer. And people want that to be something. They expect that to be something. But many like a times, certification. Yeah. But yeah, then right. they find, but wait a minute, they didn't even know. And it's just our career certification didn't meet. So what do you guys think about that? Are we hurting ourselves by selling us something we aren't producing? Well, I think that goes back to that they're trying to check a box. You got Because, you know, in a lot of states now, you have to be a program completer or get certified in, in a certain particular industry certification in order to get the funding for back to your program, which is directly yeah, tied to that. That's the focus. And so they're trying to figure out how do I end up getting more program completers so they broaden a program completer to where it, they, there's not the time to have some of those specific yeah. skills to do that because they don't have, you know they can't offer enough kids in that particular school to, that are going to offer just a very narrowly focused floriculture program. They're going to want to know all about at least horticulture, mm-hmm. let alone just floriculture to do that. And so that's that, there's the problem is how they operationalize the, to make it work yeah. to check a box. Well, and if I could teach five floriculture classes and get somebody really specialized in floriculture so that they were actually industry ready versus teaching a variety of courses that I could strategically double dip for students and they could end up being completers of two or three areas and I could get two or three the amount two or three times the amount of money for my program I'm going to go general Right. right. They're going yeah. to become completers in multiple areas by taking a couple of, of different classes. And I've actually hurt their ability to specialize mm-hmm. in order. So it almost contradicts one another. Right. I'm either getting students specialized or I'm getting money for my program. So and, they actually contradict one another. And, and even with that model, whether we say it or not, we're making that kid make a decision, at least as a freshman or sophomore in high school, that I want to have this very narrow focused in my, my particular mm-hmm. career. Which we already know. I mean, you said the tech, you know, tissue culture technology is going to change 15 years later. It's going to change in six months yeah. for any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to walk them out with skills that are somewhat antiquated anyway. So how do we still give them – but this is not the argument to say that we don't need to be teaching any content. Content mm-hmm. is still very, very important. 
but how do we build that in the system to let them know how to continue to grow on what modern ag is? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think industry would say, don't train them technically. We want to do that. Make them thoughtful. Make them critical thinkers. Make them understand ag. But I still at times wonder if I work, if I'm the superintendent of a golf course and I'm hiring some people that want to start a career without a college degree, how do I know or, you know, who does that then? Who ultimately is doing the agricultural certifications for chemical application technicians? And, you know, I wonder, you know, who is doing that and filling that need, which concerns me a bit. I don't know, though. I think they're out there, but they are industry run. Right? There's a, pesta- a pesticide applicator license, and yeah, you go to that training, and you do mm-hmm. that certification, and it's not yeah. associated with high school. There's a food service one, mm-hmm. right? And so my husband, for example, he has a degree in outdoor recreation, and he was a... I'm sorry for those of you that know him. If, don't tell him I ever said this because he won't listen to this, um, but he was like a terrible ag ed student in, <laughs> in high school, um, and so then he went on to get an outdoor rec degree and then worked at a place where he needed both his food service certification and his pest applicator's license and a CDL. Those are three trainings and licensures that are completely separate from school. So if you learn how to learn, right, and how to think critically and how to be able to apply those licenses you get later through your employment, then you're a, a good worker, mm-hmm. right? But right. The, in, the industry is the one that says, here are the licenses we want you to have. Mm-hmm. We don't care what you come out of high school with. Yeah. Well, and then you know, one argument is then okay, then let's build those licenses into the high school program so they have that upon graduation from high school. But the question is, would you know you needed those things when you graduated high school? Are you ready to complete those particular That's things? That's the thing I get. Are you ready to complete them? I don't want any eighteen-year-old yeah. driving a CDL, like with a CDL driving mm, right. a semi, right? So well, and quite frankly, if you asked me, how could I become a florist? I would say. Learn about it in high school, start to build your skill set, do some internships, build an awareness, and then go to a land-grant institution or a technical school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at OSU, they have a whole room for floral design. And you can learn everything that you need to grow, to maintain, to tape, to arrange. Well, that's a totally separate argument going to college. Right. Right? Totally separate. Because you could do it through a college degree and get a liberal arts Dewey how do we learn? Let's right. educate the whole person. Yeah. Or you could also do a technical college in floral design. Yeah. Or you could just go to industry and work your way up. You know, learn yeah. at a florist. But in all of those situations, the role of the high school is to build interest, identify interest, and help guide them to the choice of a technical school or a college or, a, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's the, the, you know, I still think, I, I don't, dislike or not support career pathways or the pathways that we have in agriculture, the AFNR pathways, I think it provides a good idea for the scope of what we have in agriculture and natural resources to help us talk about, okay, here are some options you have as students to give them some awareness what's out there to, to develop curriculum for those things. I think the real problem is that you, we're, we may be misusing this particular tool to making students make choices way too early when they're maybe not mature enough to do that. It's, mm-hmm. There's some ramifications to that. Well, I think some aren't doing it at all, and instead they make the choices for their students, and they say, what classes do you want to take? And then I work out to make sure that you're completing pathways, and the students oh, don't yeah. even know they're doing it. And then some, somebody may, may, may walk out and say, well, I'm a pathway completer in animal systems, or I'm a certified vet assisting for whatever else where they pass this, and it really is not as narrowly focused, so we may we may give them some false. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, but then like, which is worse, right? Making students feel like they um, know more than they should, or 
not even use it, you know, not right. using the structure where students don't even know it exists and you're using it for, for, you know, to get money for your program. So is there a, is there, I guess, how are they intended to be used? If those are the, the ways teachers are using them, and I, I was one of those, mm-hmm. how are they supposed to be used? Mm. Well, I, I think in, in the idealistic world, what's always been explained to me is the student's going to pick a pathway and I know that I'm going to be doing animal systems, so I take all animal systems courses, and I go get a job in animal systems, and I'm in that job mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. forever. But we know that people... Ghost, Nend, and Prosser. Yeah. Right? But I think ultimately it comes down to a metric. Like, every state system is giving money to career and technical education, and they want a metric of the product. So it's just accountability. I think that's the driver of a lot of it. Right. How many people did we certify, and is career and technical education still viable? And I think some people that aren't in our seats have the responsibility of arguing that we are still viable in career and technical education. We receive state funding to prepare people in careers. Yeah. I think we might have to do a better job sharing that our role in that is changed because the, the profession has changed. Maybe we don't do a good enough job sharing that. Well, and I think sometimes I know that they've worked on um, <clears throat> revamping the career pathways, right? right. But I think the they still stay within the structure of that career pathway system, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is what needs to be looked at is, are we even playing in the right sandbox? Mm-hmm. Forget how we arrange the sand. Is this even the, sand, the right sandbox for our students? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think this is obviously a critical conversation. This is one, I think there's a lot of ag teachers that really feel like they're hosting Ag 1, Ag 2, Ag 3, and Ag 4. Mm-hmm. And we try to meld that into these career pathways and... You know, as we wrestle with this, we need help from teachers. We need teachers helping advocate, and teachers have some of the best ideas of how to support students. I think the big takeaway is don't forget that we are career and technical education. And, you know, there are some people out right now that are saying um, that SAEs must be career-focused and that Every student in ag should have a career plan. They should be thinking about what am I doing to move myself to a career at some point. I think if we could focus on that, the pathways then can be some kind of guiding categories. But yeah. Well, I think there was a big difference between there we're using the career pathways as an individual student tool rather than a tool to drive the, the actual school-based ag ed program. Mm-hmm. Work with the students. Say, here, here are some pathways of careers. Here are some different aspects of ag and natural resource careers. Design your pathway. Figure out what you need to do to move down there to find your career mm-hmm. rather than saying, as a school, pick a pathway. Yeah. You're going to offer this one pathway, which then means every student in that school is going to be in that pathway because mm-hmm. one teacher... You can only offer one. You can only offer one. Or, yeah. or maybe right. maybe two if you work it out and have, an, have maybe a second teacher yeah. in the program do something like that. And so, again, I think the pathways have value... We just have to make sure that we're applying them in the right way as that individual individual planning tool. You know, I do have to say, this is kind of new. Have you guys looked at the FFA Ag, is it Ag Explorer or mm-hmm. Ag Careers? They're actually, they've got a list, like some resources there that actually allow, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure it fits in with the pathways, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they're using that as, you know, like as a really integrated part. But they're, I mean, they've got a setup where, it really is an individualized guide and, right. and tool for students. So I feel like there are aspects of ag ed that are mm-hmm. moving that way, which is awesome. I just, I don't know how we get the pathways totally aligned with that. That's right. Well, from right here at Oklahoma State this time, 
We've had our critical conversation with Brian Myers, Kate Shoulders, and Marshall Baker. Teachers, we want to hear from you. I, I would really love to know what teachers yeah. what teachers think about right. the career yeah. pathways and what they do with them and how they navigate that. If you are listening or watching this podcast, please throw in your ideas. How do you handle podcast? How do you handle podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know how other people handle podcasts. We could really use some. How help. <laughs> do you handle career pathways? Are they working? Are they not? Help us. Let's start this conversation and keep it going. Um, from the Owl Pellet crew, do great work. We appreciate you guys, and we're out for now. One of the jobs of an ag teacher is to prepare students for their callings later in life. And for some of our students, that calling can mean college, which we all know comes with a pretty hefty price tag. Which is why I want to share with you the Razorback Ag Academy. The University of Arkansas created the Razorback Ag Academy through the College of Agricultural, Food, and Life Sciences, specifically for high school ag students like yours. Instead of paying thousands for tuition, your students can enroll in online courses like Intro to Animal Science and Foundations of Agricultural Education for $39. The best part? They can enroll right now as high school students. If you're interested in learning more about offering the University of Arkansas's Razorback Ag Academy to your students, I'd love to talk to you about it. You don't even have to be local. It's all online. Just contact me, Kate Shoulders. My contact info is listed in the details of this podcast. You want to help your students prepare for their life after graduation, and the University of Arkansas wants to help you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.